you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make podcasts. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So here's a call to action. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Homeless at Large podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Roy Sterling Trout, my co-host, Anthony Potter. How are you guys doing? Good to hear from you and good to be back. Support the ministry. Um, I'm, uh, that's first. So let's get our sponsor out of the way. First of all, I want to thank Anchor FM for their sponsorship for the show. Um, you know, it's awesome that they're trying to help me get started here and Hopefully we can do something with this, but uh, Anchor FM is the world's only um, free podcasting app. Uh, they help you make a podcast, build a podcast. They will uh, distribute your podcast for you. They will help you and give you tips all along the way. So look, let's download Anchor today and let's get some podcasts made. Thank you, Anchor FM. Uh, today we're going to do the show a little bit differently. Um, I think I'm going to go in a little bit different direction. I don't know. I, this is a ministry, and I do believe in Jesus Christ. So I think that being that this is a ministry, Anthony, I, I think that maybe we should maybe talk a little bit more about the God that I know. And, Sounds great. And, and, and the reason being is because I think that maybe more people need to meet the God that I know. I mean, I know a lot of people that go to church and all, but the way they act... They don't know the God I know. The way they treat people, they don't know the God I know. And the reason I say that is because um, I want to. I'm gonna get on the computer here, and before we do this one, I want to do um, another verse here because there's there's something I want people to understand, and I want people to hear. I think Jesus, uh, the, the, the Spirit's leading me to put this out there and maybe it'll come back better than it left. Uh, and I, I think it needs to be received. So we're going to try this out. You know, if you read the first book of John and you go to the third, uh, or, yeah, give me one second. Go to First uh, John and go to the fourth chapter in your Bible, and uh, it'll be a. Uh, so what's going to happen here is we're going to take and we're going to start it at um.
So we're going to start it at, um, oops, too far. We're going to start at, at uh, verse 5. Uh, so that's First John 4, and we're going to start at verse 5. And verse 5 says, They are the world thereof. Speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth, us, heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now, that kind of sums it up in a way. You know, if you really think about love, you define love, and you got to You got to You get. You know, you'll figure it out. It, it's gonna come to you. What God really is, because it, in verse eight, it's gonna give us a very explicit definition, and it says, "He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love." Okay, so if you look up love, let's go back to Google here. And we're going to go So we're going to look up going to give you what by the Bible love is because maybe this will open people's eyes to just who God is and and, and it's really kind of a and I want to kind of open your eyes to the God I know because um, it's a whole different story and uh, I think I got the wrong one. So, the number one definition of love is an intense feeling of deep affection. Number two, a great interest and pleasure in something. Feel deep affection. For someone. Like or enjoy very much. So now. Let's let's think about this. 
if those are love, um, and it's a deep affectionate feeling for another, then now you go back and read that again, and 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 you you'll find that nine out of ten people really don't know the God I know. Because if God is love, which that's what the Bible says He is, and love is a deep affectionate feeling for another. Do you understand what I'm getting at yeah. there with this? Are you are you following me there, Anthony? Yep. So we're gonna go back to um, John 21, and there's a few things in this that I want to point out because I think these are important. The reason I think they're important is because I think too many people have their eyes on the wrong prize. If you know what I'm talking about, okay? And um. That prize is a cross. I think that they they somehow or another have mistaken that cross for something when really the only thing it is is something with no power because Jesus shattered that when he rose from the dead. He shattered the power of the cross. The power of the cross is death. He shattered that. He rose from the dead, correct? So we're going to go to John and we're going to be up in verse uh, 16. He says, it says here, he saith to him again the second time, Simon Peter, or Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, uh, Simon, oh, I got that one already. He says, he goes on to say, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whether thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. Then he spoke, he signifying by what death he should glory God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Those two words, follow me, are key to everything in the Bible. Everything in the Bible. And it's how you meet the real God. The idea here, when Jesus said, follow me, in order to follow someone, there's an action. And there's a physical presence of that being there, correct? Yeah. Okay, now, how else are we going to get a a physical presence or 
sense of being on someone who we're supposed to follow if they're no longer here. Read about them, correct? So like, um, say I want to find out about you 20, 100 years from now. And, um, you're long gone. Um, the only way I'd be able to find out about you is to read, correct? And to find out about you, I couldn't read about your death. I would have to read about what? Your life. Because Jesus said, follow me. Which signifies a presence. Now, if you go back all through the New Testament in the Bible, Jesus talked about nothing but life. You can go all the way back to John 1 and, 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 and go through. I want to take you to John 1, in fact, because I want to give a little insight here. I want you to know something that I also think is important. See, Jesus is more than just God's Son. Jesus is so much more than just God's Son. People mistake that. And, 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 and I want you all to understand something. So John... So I'm going to read this to you. Oh, I see. Pardons. I uh, somehow got a P. So, okay, now, now we, we know that God is love. We know that love is a deep emotional affection for someone. And so we know that, that Jesus told us to follow him. And now we're going to hear what Jesus says here. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, the Word being Jesus, he is the Word. He is in the beginning with God. And the Word was, was God. So Jesus, in the beginning, He was with God. And not only that, He was God. Jesus. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. Life. Jesus, life, that's all Jesus talked about, life. In him was life. Was the life, was the light of men. So in him, if you got your eyes on him, 
He's lighting your path. All right. Now you take a look here, and it says, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness. In other words, he came to say what he saw like in a court trial, right? To bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now, everything here is light, correct? Where is there room in this conversation of life for a cross to hinge in every church across America? What did the cross do? He was not that light. He was just sent to bear witness to the light. In other words, he was there to give breath, to voice his view of the story and that these things truly happened, right? Mm -hmm. To be a witness. Yes, I saw this. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now you think about what the light is. The light now is what they're referring to as the light. Our open eyes, right? He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Now you think about who that's talking about. Who was in the world? Jesus was. You go back up to the beginning, and Jesus was also in the beginning with God, and he was God, right? So that puts Jesus, or God, on this earth, in the flesh, as a human being, correct? That puts God here, because Jesus was in the beginning with God, and he was God, right? That means God incarnate was here on earth. Now, if God is love, then Jesus was also pure love, correct? Correct. Okay, now, we're going to skip back a little bit here. We're going to go to um, a few things I want, you, I want to show you something about Jesus here. Because I think too many people have their eyes set in the wrong spot. They have their eyes set on a standing graven image of a cross that has no power except death. That's it. That's all it has. That's the only power it has is death. And Jesus, if you read about Jesus, you will know that Jesus conquered death when he rose from the grave on the third day. Therefore, the fact that they have that very symbol of death hanging in God's house is a, um, it's blasphemy to God. When he is, now we're going to start just after he came, he starts coming down to, from the, the mountain after he is tempted by the devil. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says, When he come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, 
If thou wilt, thou, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Now, I want you to look at that situation right there. When Jesus helped that man, when that man asked Jesus for help, what did Jesus do? He did what the man needed done, right? He helped him. Yeah. Now, what didn't he do that you see people doing now? You're mentally ill. You're a drug addict. He dirty. didn't do none of that. Oh, you're dirty. You need to take a bath. You stink. You're just mentally ill. Go take him. He didn't do none of that. See that? You see where that cross took people? See where that cross is taking people? Mm -hmm. It's been deceived, see? The world has been deceived because they had their eyes turned from Jesus. Our job, regardless of what you think, is to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus, you can't be looking at a cross because he's no longer there. Correct? You can't be looking at a cross. See thou tell no man, but go thy way, shew my, thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. Now these are one of the people that hung him on the cross, right? A centurion, a Roman soldier, correct? A centurion, beseeching him. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now that guy, that centurion, you know, he, uh, he's got a lot of, because he... You never know, that that might have been that one centurion that helped hang him on the cross, correct? But Jesus saith unto him, uh, he said, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. That man just poured his heart out and said, Lord, here I am, take me as I am. Right? Mm -hmm. I know I'm not worthy. He said, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven.
but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in this self-same hour. And when Jesus... Now, Jesus didn't say, Man, I know you've killed people. Right? I know you've done bad things to that centurion. He said, You know what? Because your faith, it's already done. That speaks a lot of who Jesus is. That speaks a lot of where God wants us to be. You can go through the whole New Testament and I will promise you that in nothing Jesus says does he ever mention the cross except for pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, pick up all your pity for the things wrong you've done Follow him. Pick up everything and follow him. If you're staring at a cross, how are you following Jesus? Jesus is the other way, right? I can't stress this enough, folks. I can't stress this enough. Jesus said we are to follow him. And there is no doubt in my mind that if you listen to those verses I just read there's nothing in the cross that's going to save you and you know that as well as I do the blood does does wash away your sins the blood does a lot but the blood isn't the secret of life the blood is just an atonement a price a propitiation just like it says if you go to Romans I'm gonna take you to Romans 323 I want to show you something there too because that's my good John let's get the next chapter we're gonna to go to Romans chapter 3 and we're going to go to verse 21 for starters want to get some background here a little bit of a foreknowledge of what's happening here this is important right here so So Paul here is talking to the Romans and um, 
and he's telling them, you know, let me get back here so I can catch up on myself here. So Paul here is basically um So Paul is talking to Romans and he's basically giving them the insight to life and and then in Romans three twenty three he says something that's really um it really hits home if you've, if you've been listening so far to this show, you, this is going to hit home for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Nowhere there, again, does it say anything about our redemption or anything about our salvation being in the cross. He just mentions Jesus, correct? Correct. All right, 323 now. Let's go a little further because I wanna, I wanna give a real in-depth here into this. I, I think maybe we can understand what this can, what's gonna happen here because now we're going to go up here and, and we're going to listen to Paul and and there was a lot of um, a lot of uh, confusion with scholars uh, on this I believe it's Romans chapter 7 let me make sure Romans 5 that I'm looking for. Hold on. Yes, here it is. So, Paul here is, um, there was a lot of controversy on this between the scholars because some wondered if he was really saved here or not because of the way he talked made it seem like he was not saved. But in my eyes, he was actually the definition of saved because of what he's revealing here. And it says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, notice no mention of the cross. Right? 
no mention of a cross, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Now this is important because Paul is telling us that, sure, we're going to have good times. We're going to have times in life where we're at our peak. But, and it's great to revel in those and be happy in those. But then he says something important here. He says, And not only so, but we glory in, in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work as patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So what they, what he was doing was, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So now I want I want I want to, I want you all to listen to this real close. Um, much more than being justified now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Again, nothing about the cross. For if when we are enemies, we were reconciled to God, but the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Do you hear that? What do they say? Remember those words, follow me. We shall be saved by his life. You see where I'm going with this now? Yeah. Is it becoming more apparent to the God I know? All right, now, we can go back into Matthew and read more of Jesus' life and see how he lived by his life. Remember that. Everything you want to look at is Jesus' life. That's your key to heaven. That's following Jesus. That's how you tell the difference between a wolf in sheep's clothing and a man that's truly following Jesus. Because the man wolf in sheep's clothing will say, follow me, follow me. But the true man of God will tell you to follow Jesus. Because that's what the Bible says, follow Jesus. And remember that it's his life that we shall be saved by. His life is what saves us. His death is showing us and paying the price of sin so that we understand that's the price of sin and we don't have to suffer because he showed us what it was and we don't want that. Now if you love someone, if you love someone, 
go back to the Ten Commandments and it says, Thou shalt not murder. If you love someone, have a deep emotional affection for them, are you going to kill them? Murder them? Probably not, huh? You're going to want to protect them and shield them, right? Yeah. Are you going to call them mentally ill and drug addict and turn your back on them because of it? No, I wouldn't either. And I'm sure Jesus wouldn't either. Everything you read about Jesus, he never once scoffed the people that he helped. Now, I want to do a search here because I want to see something here. I want to remind people of something. Good Shepherd. So I want you guys to hear something and I want you to listen to this real good. Um, Go back to Google here for a minute. I wanna, I gotta, I'm gotta remember what it is. But we're gonna make a key point here because I want y'all to catch on to something here. Okay. We're going to go to Matthew 18, 10 through 14. 
And uh, I want you to hear this. Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep to show that the kingdom of God is accessible to all of those who were sinners or strayed from God's path. So, um, we're going to get into this. The parable of the sower is seed. Nope, the wrong one. Got to go back. Okay. King James, um, Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, How think ye, if a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doeth he leave the ninety-nine, the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? So we're going to get into this right here. We're going to go to that specific verse here. He says, uh, And if to be, if it so be that he findeth it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more over that sheep than over the ninety and nine which went not astray okay so Jesus says right there basically look he will leave the ones that are in the pasture safely and go get the one that got out of the pasture and took off just by mistake so he doesn't want us to come to him as we wish to come to him he wants us to come to him as we are he'll come get us when he's ready for us At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called the little child unto him and said, and sent him in the midst of, of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Unless ye be converted and become as As little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall hurt it, humble himself as this child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. You know, that child is pure, right? Yeah. The child knows no wrong yet. Innocent. Right, innocent, complete. He knows no wrong or right. He would, that's what now you, it's a parent's job to teach that child. 
Jesus wants us as children, not as puppets. He wants us to rejoice in our, our tribulations where we have hard times in life, and the reason being because it promotes patience and strength and character and virtue. It promotes those things to have tribulation. For what good is it to learn if you just live a perfect life every day? Jesus wants us to learn to rely on him and do as he said, right? Follow me. Jesus said it. It was clear. Now, I want to put out a call to everyone right now. I want to put out a challenge right now to everyone out there. You, if you still believe that that cross somehow has salvation in it, I challenge you to go out to a mountainside, stare up at the, to the top of it, and imagine a cross up there. Just imagine a cross hanging on that hill. I want you to take and put your hands on that cross and hang yourself there, just like Jesus hung on the cross. And while you sit there and imagine hanging on that cross, you tell me, what eternal life do you see? What salvation do you see? So I'll tell you what. I hung myself on that cross and I didn't see no salvation. I didn't see no eternal life neither. What I saw was what Jesus got, death. Torture, agony. Horrible pain. See, that's the great thing about faith. Jesus said, by our faith are we saved by grace. But we're still to follow him. And if we stray off that path, he loves us enough that he'll leave that 99 and come get us. That's what Jesus is about. He expects us to stumble. He loves us that much. I want to leave you with one last thought tonight. And um, I want y'all to remember something. All through Jesus' life, Jesus was considered a homeless teacher. He was a traveling teacher is what you would have, it would be kind of the technical term for it. So we're going to go back to Google here. I'm going to close out with one final important message here. And um, maybe we can shine some light here because um, I want people to understand something. Now what was that again? Uh, oh, oh yes, yes, yes. So I want to put out this final message here and think what it was. Uh, oh,
Here we go. So, um, Jesus said something real important. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be glad, or your reward great in heaven or for your reward great in heaven. Um, for so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. The four Beatitudes of Luke 6.20-23, read 6.20-23 and, uh, you know, basically Jesus is telling you, blessed are the poor in the spirit. Now what does he mean by poor in the spirit? What do you think he means by that? People that are, it could be people that are depressed, it could be people that are down on their luck, it could be people that aren't healthy. It's people that are spiritually weak. What does the Bible say about poverty? What does the Bible say about poverty? Let's listen to this here. We're going to give this little um, video that we're going to watch here. You're going to hopefully be able to hear it in the, uh, in the, in the podcast. We're going to go ahead and try to watch this here. No te niegues a hacer el bien aquí en este virus cuando tienes el poder de hacerlo. No le digas a tu pueblo, vete y vuelve, que mañana te daré cuando tienes contigo que Aprender a hacer el bien. Ya no que el tema y ayuden a los Hagan valer el derecho de los cuerpos y defiendan a las vidas. Y serás bienaventurado porque ellos no tienen para recompensarte, pero serás recompensado por la resurrección de los justos. Abre tu boca por el mundo en el juicio de los desvalidos. Abre tu boca y juzga con justicia y defiende la causa del pobre y del menesteroso. 
Porque é povo, eu para jamar uma canha. Mesmo que foi tá curou para povo achar chama de chão. Eu vou perder por Marelê. Sabe onde é que foi o poder do PT? Mãe, eu vou enviar povo, eu vou enviar povo para a Amba. Ok, tem que ser um dia. Tipo, quem é mal, mãe? So, well, either way, what do you think poor in the spirit means when he says that? Because I want to define that real quick. Because if you define the word spirit, find the word spirit. The Holy Spirit explains. Hear the explanation. New and hope. Life. A spirit-filled life. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Let's see if we can bring down a definition here. Dictionary. Spirit. The non-physical part of a person which is the seed of emotions and character. The soul. We seek harmony between body and spirit. Those qualities regarded as forming definitive, typical elements in the character of a person, nation, or group convey rapidly or secretly. Now, I don't know what these are, but I'm... The Holy Spirit, let's see. Well, we're going to try this one more time. Definition. Definition of spirit. So if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to look, 
Ah, right here. Maybe this will tell us spirit meaning in the Bible. Right? Well, I can't find where it's at here. Maybe I can here. So, the definition of spirit by the concordance is um is ruach r o c q u e I believe it's Greek or Hebrew. It might be Hebrew, and it literally is translated wind or breath. So Jesus is also saying that he gave us the breath of life, which is the spirit. Follow Jesus, people, not the cross. Good night, everyone. I pray for that everyone um, receive this message well, and I pray that maybe we can come forward as witnesses together. Good night, everyone.